0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm with my friend Jim Britz, who is the the leader of Parkside Church in Oceanside, California, and they're doing some pretty exciting things. And the last time that we talked, uh, we ended our discussion talking about prayer walking and how that leads to disciple making. I know for a lot of people, prayer walking just means you walk through the neighborhood muttering prayers. Uh, These guys have stepped it up a level. So Jim, just kind of kick us off and you know get us up to date and then anything you want to talk about
1: right on well, I, I read a stat that came out earlier in the year but i just read it a week or two ago and it, it broke me but it just kind of confirms even the, i think the stuff we're talking about is really important and it just said so some Gallup. it said 23 per uh 23 percent less people uh that are involved in churches um in 2021 that there were in 1999 and the reason why that hit me so huge was I started ministry full-time in 1999. And I'm like, oh, wow. So on my watch, not that I've been in charge, but over the last, you know, so 22 years of doing ministry, collectively, one out of four people who was involved in a church in North America is not anymore. And, uh, and my church, it's, I think it's a great church, but it looks pretty similar to other churches that are doing well. And so uh, so part of that just led me to go, man, it's what what does ministry look like in other parts of the world where it's exploding? And, and as I read scripture, yeah, there are parts that I go, man, this doesn't look like what we've done in the past. Um, and so, uh, uh, and I, I just say, I'm, I'm a huge Sacramento Kings basketball fan. And um, and that's part of the reason why I have great character. They haven't made the playoffs for 15 years in a row. They're <laughs> 1-0 this year when we recorded, we won last night. Uh, but I just found this, it's ridiculous when the players in the team are celebrating like some great things they did yet year after year it's just something's broken we're not good and i i look at that and go man there's great things god's doing uh in ministry and in churches and i celebrate those like crazy uh but at the same time it's 23 it was just the fastest decline i think ever in history for our country <laughs> we got to think a little differently and so yeah i've been on a journey for three and a half years for me and uh i'll, I'll that with prayer walking uh, I was reading Matthew 9, 35 to 38, and it said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Pray to the Lord, the harvest for more workers. And I'm like, yeah, I've prayed for that before, but then never really caught that Matthew 10, Luke 10, actually the first couple of verses in Luke 9, clear descriptions of what it actually looks like to be a worker, and that my life looked nothing like it. And I don't know anybody else whose lives kind of look like that, except maybe if you're on a missions trip or some of my missionary friends. Uh, and so we've started... <clears throat> Uh, just living really differently. And I've shared before, went through a training called Disciple Making Movements that's used all over the world. It's in the middle of most of these movements that are happening. And um, and so here's, here's, this isn't just per walking. This is any conversation you can have with people. So some people, you're going to go, this is not my personality to go walking around talking to strangers. This can also mean, hey, you go through the numbers in your cell phone and people you haven't talked to for a long time that you don't think know God, you, you, you reach out to them, right? Or the kids that are on your your parents on your kid's soccer team. But so for prayer walking, this is what it looks like, is we'll just go walking around. usually have somebody with me because it says in the Bible, you set them out in twos. And there's a lot of advantages to having a partner uh, and walking around. And you actually should be actually praying. So that's a good part of it. You should be, hey, God, what do you want to do in this neighborhood and how you're working? But you're also looking. And uh, and, and as you as you see somebody, um, approach them. And oftentimes, I'm praying, guys, there's something you want me to say. But but usually, just start and go, hey, we're out here walking around the neighborhood, praying for God's blessing on this neighborhood. Hey, is there there anything that we could pray for you for? If you could have one miracle happen in your life, what would it be? And oftentimes I'll even add, hey, I got powerful prayers and I talked to a powerful God, so this is your lucky day. You can ask for anything. And um, I I was amazed when we started doing this that most people say yes. They go, yeah. I think there's a lot of people that actually hardly ever get prayed for in life. And so they start to share something. Sometimes it's, you know, real vague. It's like, yes, you can pray for me. I'll go, well, come on, specifically what? And uh, and then people will share things and different levels of depth, but people will share some pretty deep things right off the bat. Well, my, you know, husband's going through this or people all the time share, I've got cancer or man, I've been out of work for this long. And so, you know, we just listen but after they share, you know, asking some questions to clarify, like, okay. Um, hey, before I pray, what we train people to do is we say, can I share with you a story? And, um, and there's so many great stories from the Bible that green, give such hope and power uh, to people right there in the moment. And so if someone shares with me and say a common thing would be uh, just deal with a lot of stress in my life. Hey, can I share with you a 30-second story before I pray? Yeah, great. Hey, there was this one time it's from the Bible where Jesus was exhausted and he got on a boat with his disciples and he immediately fell asleep. And while he was asleep, there was this massive storm and his disciples were freaking out. They finally wake Jesus up and they go, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus looks up and looks at the storm and says, be still, be calm. He looks at the disciples and says, hey, why'd you doubt? Why'd you guys stop believing? The disciples look at each other and say, who's this that even the wind and the waves will be? He's just share the story. We just ask the question, hey, what do you think that story teaches you about Jesus? And people have great comments to share. Wow, Jesus, Jesus had peace. When, uh, when others were stressed out, Jesus took naps. <laughs> uh, or, or even some will say, you know what? In in times in life where I'm freaking out, it could be that the very next thing is actually God's gonna do something supernatural. Uh, but they'll share just great insights. I'll go, great. How, how could you apply this story to your life and what you're going through right now? And they share something on the spot with, uh, with, with what they could do. And whatever it is, I go, that's fantastic. That's great, right? We're just meeting them. That's great. Okay, let me pray. And then I'll pray for them. And I'll pray specifically what they asked for. And I'll pray for them for uh, application to live out what they just discovered from God's word, right? I and mean, there's a disciple making, disciple making it's happening right now, right on the street with, the, with this person. And um, and here's what I found too, is so many people, so they've, they've never been really prayed for. They came maybe from a background where prayer was just so formulaic and not personal that they're in tears, at the end of a prayer. And it's not that I'm this incredible prayer or it's just that I I'm, I'm, I'm praying from my heart and praying what I am believing God's trying to say to them. And oftentimes saying something like, and God, is it possible that you love this person so much? And you know, the details of their life that you brought up two random people out of nowhere, just to remind them you're with them, you're for them. You've got incredible plans for them, you know, in their life. So I'm going to say amen. And, um, and then just usually at the end, we just say, just throwing us out here. But we're out here praying. We're also out here looking for people that are interested in discovering truth about God or whatever they just said. Um, you know, people that are going through broken relationships want to go from broken ones to healthy ones. People. people struggling with addiction and want to get freedom. You know, people that are struggling with their kids and want to see them be all they can be. Um, we, we love helping people grow in that way through through going through stories just like the one I just shared with. Um, and we found a really simple way that you could actually do that on your own with your with your friends and family in your own house. That's been life-changing for us. Would you have interest in some time meeting up to do it? I've been blown away, Ralph, that people say yes to that. They go, Yeah, I would actually really be interested. Is that something you can teach me? Yeah. It's called a discovery study. And so we set up a meeting. Uh, and, and I, I just I've even found saying, What's your cell phone number is a little too aggressive. I just go, Well, okay, well, what should we do? And they respond, well, I guess we should get each other's phone number and set up a time. Okay, that's great. Yeah, let's exchange texts. I mean, so they're, they're coming up with the idea of the, the phone number. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. And I found the goal is in the next 48 hours you want to meet. Uh, if you take longer than that, the attrition rate goes way up. Yeah. But uh, okay, great. What's, what's, and you want to set the time on the spot. Okay, when would work for you? And oftentimes, if we're like in the neighborhood, I'll either say, hey, I could come to your house. Or if there's, you know, hey, there's a park right over here. You want to meet at the park? And, um, and they go, great. And, and, I, and I'll go, well, let's exchange text And I usually get their number and I text them right on the spot. Hey, Ralph, so great to meet you. I'm excited about meeting at this time, Jim. And, um, you know, and then I'll text them that night or, you know, at least bef- again, before we're going to meet again. Sure. And then there's a follow-up and, and there it's get to know their story. And we teach them a little thing called a discovery study, which is simply it's seven questions and a story. And, um, and through that process, it's really just helping them discover more about God and understand, man, they could, they could learn about God on their own and we could help them do that. Um, so that's, that's the process of prayer walking. And I would say every time we go out, uh, you know, I've, I've got a couple people that we like once a week will go out. So I've got a couple of those groups, but every time we come back with a phone number or, or several with people that are interested and, uh, and incredible stories have come from that. So, and, and not, not, they don't should don't all turn into what we would call a person of peace um, but we sure see many of them. And the goal is not just to reach that person. It's actually then through that second meeting, you're sitting down and, and, uh, and saying, hey, do you know anybody else in your life, your friends and family that would have interest in something like this? Yeah, totally. Okay, well, you know, and, and so the goal is that they're going to then start meeting with them, and you continue on in a disciple-making relationship. with them. Well, what if we met each week, went through the story together, and then now you're going to meet with them? And um, and so I've got a bunch of those relationships and reaching people that we never we never would have reached before. So that's that's a well, lot. In my <laughs> mind is
0: spinning as we're talking. You know, we're we're living in what's really being called a post-Christian era, and I wonder if it's more like a post-church as we've done it era, um, because I, you're you're talking you the amount of time you're putting into this. Your job description has changed as a pastor. Yes you're doing something most lead pastors are not doing, which would be engaging people face-to-face. Uh, you know, we do that within the confines of our little Christian ghetto, but to go out of that and, and be the example for the rest of the, the body, plus, I mean, the in the trailheads, all the relationships that you're building have, are, are, are doing something for people that's been frustrating me, because I think Let me back up a little bit. One of my friends told me he worked for a couple of really large uh, seekers driven, but but left leaning churches in America. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy is African-American. He's very conservative theologically. Um, And it was a frustration for him to work with the second church that he worked in. uh, He was actually there for like eight or nine years. He said that the, the people were encouraged, never use the word Jesus in conversation. The staff were encouraged, don't use the name Jesus in church. We talk about God in church because Jesus is a turnoff to people. Mm-hmm. So you 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 wonder what on earth is going on. And, in, in, you know, I mean, that's an extreme example. But in, in a lot of our churches, we encounter program, we encounter stuff that's to help you be practical, and it comes out of scripture. But the, the question that has been really coming to my mind lately is, are, are people having a God experience? Or are they having a Jesus experience, in, even in, in church? One guy was talking to me about a pretty large church that he leads, and um, mm-hmm. frustrated because you know people are busy. Uh, they don't want to take time to have a, a, a meeting outside their work life their sports life with their kids, you know, church is just an add-on and all that. But what I found is if, if you're touched by God, you want more of it. And I think that what we're touching people by is programs that are well-meaning, but they're not getting the job done in terms of, of people, you know, in, encountering God. And the thing that I'm hearing in you that is interesting to me is, is the prayer issue. Uh, because these are the issues that have always been in my life. If I can get people praying with other people, then good things are going to happen. The open-endedness of it, where you're not trying to get them to sign the dotted line. I just prayed the little prayer to become a Christian. You know, that might've worked 40 years ago, the four laws thing, but it's, it's, it's scant today. What's going on. But then the, 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 where they begin to look at a, a, a scripture and you ask that, questions the kinds of questions that because i'm hearing other questions but the question that you said what do you think this tells you about jesus or uh, you know one person asks a question if there is a god what do you think he might be trying to tell us through this part of his bible yeah, um, and just that we spend more time listening and letting them draw conclusions and and talking ourselves and because yeah, the, and then the other stream of thought that's been bothering me is if this really is a post-Christian culture, and part mm-hmm. of when they're saying post-Christian, post-modern had room for Christians. You know, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. I don't believe in your thing, but it's okay, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Post-Christian has an anti-Christian, and anti-church side to it. So you do your thing, and I'm going to try and beat you down. I I, I don't. I'm not. i am i am going to take away your freedom. To talk about this in in the public arena in any place it it was in government it was in schools now it's in the workplace we're we're shutting your mouth there but again if people make friends with people and they have a god encounter it's it's just changing but but as i think about that i spent a lot of time in south in east asia in different countries mostly very poor countries but they're hindu they're buddhist Uh, they're, they're anti-Jesus and you, you go in with a different approach than we have taken in America. I think we need to begin to see America as a mission field. And Jesus was sending people into a hostile world in, in those places in the gospel where they're, when, when he, when he sends the, the 12 and he sends the 72 and they're looking for the person of peace. I think that has to be our, our MO in the future. Just talk back to
1: me about that. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, we have tried to turn the lost person into the role of the missionary in our culture. We tell the lost person, if you want to find God, you need to go to a place you've never been. You need to go be among a, a bunch of people that you've never met. You got to try a bunch of new, you know, uh, habits and stuff you've never been a part of. And you're going to kind of do this on your own. And if you do that, you can find God. Yeah. That sounds like the role of a missionary. Yeah. So we've turned the lost person into the missionary. When that's the exact opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so another piece too, I think the great commission, I've just learned it's been life-changing for me is, is it's disciple to conversion and then disciple through conversion. Um, He says, go make disciples, baptize and teach. And when did people get baptized in the book of Acts? The day they came to Christ. So make disciples and along the process See them come to Christ, not, hey, will you pray this? I mean, I'm good with any person coming to Jesus when it looks like. But but he was saying, make disciples, and through the process of them discipling and them obeying, they at some point will decide we're going to follow Christ. Yeah. And as that happens, now continue to do what they've been doing. And I've seen so many people who have prayed a prayer, kind of the short, quick you know, answer to I want to follow Jesus, and then have no interest in discipling or being in a disciple relationship yeah. because that's not what they – it took for them to get in. But I found people that if they're discipled into conversion, well, they're like, well, that's all I know. And so and they're going to keep on going with that. So that, that's been huge. Um, and I also heard just the idea of an unreached people group oftentimes we will define as uh, simply where there's access to the gospel. Um, but instead of defining it as, hey, where there are people that have been sent to reach the lost, meaning hey, whatever city you're in right now, there's, there's churches in America that people have access to. Sure. But are there people that are engaging with, in my area, it's 60% of people that have said, I have no interest in church whatsoever, I'm not going. It's like, you know, when you're not looking for a car, you don't even notice the car ads. That's, that's people, they don't care what, what you're doing. And, and so, and there's a lot of people that, that do have interest still in a church that aren't going and man, that's great. So we have to reach them. But the other 60%, we're gonna actually have to go to them. And, um, and the natural way to do that is through relationships that you already have. So it doesn't have to be always you're going out walk, walking. That might totally terrify you. My wife, she met a woman at a, a party recently that uh, um, happens that her daughter goes to our, our kids' school. And they, she shared that story I just shared with you of uh, um, Jesus calms the storm because the woman shared she had some stressful stuff going on. She said, would you have interest in meeting My wife now meets with this woman and this woman has now started a group with her friends. And this woman had no spiritual background, but they just meet once a week together. Um, I'm hanging out for lunch today with uh, a guy. I went through my cell phone. I'm just through the letter C. So I'm just starting, but going through the names of people that I haven't seen for a long time that I have no idea where they're at spiritually. I just started with the conversation with, hey, how's it going? And if they responded, uh, then I I asked a little more meaningful of a question. You know, what's going on in your life? And, um, and if they got into it, hey, well, would you have interest in time meeting up? I'd love to hear more and see how I can help. And, um, and so I've got a lunch today with one of those guys. My hope is going to be I'll share a story with him and, and go from there and, and potentially maybe even help him start a discovery group. So the opportunities are all, all over the place. But I agree, Ralph. Um, I think we got to think differently if we're going to reverse the trend of right, a quarter of churchgoers dropping out in the last 20 years or so.
0: You know, as I have kind of live my life talking about disciple making, one of the problems that I always get into is uh, lead pastors going, "I'm just too busy. I can't do that. I have no time for that." And what, but what they're building is is a house of cards, or they're building on sand. To me, we're, we're just building a program thing. I'm so bu- basically that translates. I'm so busy managing a program, I don't have time for relationships. Uh, even to do what you just said about with your friends to, to make phone calls. It's just out of the, the, the realm of possibility for a lot of people. Talk about the fact that you are in transition. We talked about this earlier in the our first podcast, but a little bit about um, how you're kind of having to run the church with two operating systems. Because you got you actually kind of got two churches. you got the people who you're, you're, you're meeting, you're, you're discipling. Uh, I, I totally think it's exactly right that we disciple people into Christ, rather than after they've come to Christ, because how you came is how you're going to go. But, um, you know, how, how, how are you balancing that and, and you know, negotiating? Because those are troubled waters for a lot of people. And some people listening to this are listening with a certain amount of fear, because if I did what Jim's doing, what would I lose? And, you know, are the gains far outsize any losses, but there must be some losses.
1: Yeah, here's how I'd word it. And it was very challenging. God saying this to me in a prayer retreat a couple of years ago, as I was realizing I'm not a worker in the field. And where does that fit in my life? My life was too busy as a pastor to be obedient to God. Wow. Wow. Uh, and, I, and, and that was my reality. Um, and so I've, I've been on a two and a half year course correction in my life. Of restructuring what my life looks like and how I spend time. And I remember one time I was listening to a guy named Victor John, who was the key guy behind a movement in India that saw or sorry 12 million, not 12 million people wow. come to know Christ and get baptized. I mean, just massive. And I thought the guy was going to just share all these incredible things that happened. And I knew the story. But the first 57 minutes, he shared about the internal journey of what God did in his life. And for his first five years, he said, we saw hardly any fruit. God had to radically transform me. I had to see uh, success in a whole new way. Um, I, I, I needed to actually be someone that lived this out myself before I got others to do it. And then the last three minutes he shared, and here's what happened. And I was so floored by that because I'm just, you know, put me in coach. Let's roll. I want to see results today. And, um, and, and God's been teaching me. I, I, I have a theme most years in my life that I, God gives me. It's not a rule, but but a couple of years ago, it was embrace pruning, which was so different than any other theme I ever had. <laughs> it was so discouraging. And then uh, and then I had one, it was trust the long game the next year. And then the year after that, the year of COVID, it was Sabbath year. And all of them were just slow down, slow down, you need to get this. And So for us as a church, uh, yeah, I've been leading a group of people that really want to live this out uh, these principals on Sunday mornings and then our church meets on Sunday nights. Originally we were we had two services on Sunday mornings, and then COVID moved us to another church on Sunday nights instead of meeting out of school. Um, but I think God was kind of setting it all up. And um, and so there's a sense I would say run with the runners, those who are ready to roll, and, and those are not going to be the people you expect. And don't cast vision from up front, cast vision from behind. One out of six people are an early adapter. Those are the people that make decisions based on there's a problem. We need to do something about it. Those are the people that hear the 23% and go, oh my goodness, we got to do something. The majority of people, and it's not wrong. It's just, it's just, we're created differently. Think, Hey, I'm going to do based on what's worked so far. So find the people that have, I like to call it healthy, holy discontent. They've not given up on the church, but they also go, there's something not right. And I want to be a part of that. So grab those. And then I would say, i on the much slower process with the rest of my church of, 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 sharing stories with them, and helping them uh, see that, hey, I think God's called us to more. And that's come to a head. We're actually in the middle of it right now. Um, there's a six-week training that we, that we use, and we're taking our whole church through this. Um, I, I wanted to, the first moment I went through it two and a half years ago, to take everybody through it. And every mentor I had said, don't do that. That's a horrible mistake. But we are in the process of hopefully January, not having a Sunday morning and a Sunday night, but instead, uh, we're going to have multiple of these kind of we call them Gen Zeros or the like disciple making communities that are meeting together. And we have some shared worship, a little bit of teaching slash more like kind of training. Think of Paul Tyrannus. And then and then really discovery based groups that are groups of people that have said, hey, we're committed to making disciples and, and doing this together. Um, so and I would just say, hey, it's not been clean. There's been people that have left along the way because they don't like it. Um, there's been people that have left this week um, because they don't like the journey that we're on. Uh, and I just look in scripture, and I'm encouraged that uh, Jesus didn't do everything he possibly could to get every single person to come. Um, he, uh, he loved people. He didn't want people to leave. But at the same time, his bar was pretty high. Yeah. And so we're lovingly calling people to a higher bar. And they can get there at different paces but this is where we're going and um and it we i've said this up front a bunch of times that it is not going to be okay for us to say hey i'm a christian that really doesn't have interest or or any fruit when it comes to making disciples we're we're going to be a, we're going to be a church that that everybody figures out how god's created them to do it and um and we're and we're trying to set them up to succeed in living that out and um and if you're excited about that man this is the place to be if you're scared about it Pray, but this is the place. You know, but but for some, it's it, that's that's not what they're choosing. That's really hard. So I would just say, for the person who's thinking about this journey, it it's a hard journey, and I'm I'm living in it. I have another one of those conversations today.